Hello there, and welcome to Zero XP. We are a show that sits down twice a month to talk about games, and particularly one game series, Fable. We also strive to bring you several bonus episodes discussing a variety of game-related topics, spanning recent news to reflection and speculation of the past and current game generations ahead. I'm here, sitting with my co-host, who is the heart and soul of this show, Patrick. Hello. You can find us across all major podcast platforms. If we're not on the podcast platform of your choice, please let us know. You can also find an enhanced video version of each show by searching for Zero XP Webcast on YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe, and comment. Using these features helps YouTube know that you like our content and send Fable and Xbox fans our direction. If you would like to contact us directly, you can by emailing us at 0xppodcast at gmail.com or by contacting us on Twitter at 0xpwebcast. On this week's show, we're going to do a next-gen check-in. We're going to talk about Spellbreak very shortly. We're going to talk about Xbox Smart Glass, and we're going to be covering the Graveyard Path in Fable the Lost Chapters and Nostro. All right, so let's talk a little bit, uh, you know, to kind of put a timestamp on this. We are less than two weeks away from the launch of the next-gen consoles. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's um, it's funny. I felt like I've been waiting forever, and then all of a sudden it's sneaking up. Yeah. So where are you at? Do you have a console pre-ordered? I know you did, and then you canceled it. Well, that's because financially it just didn't make sense in that moment, especially... Well, they had a deal on Amazon where you get like 25% back, which would save about $140 after taxes, so I'm going to wait a little bit. Okay, okay. Uh, I managed to get one pre-ordered, and uh, partially because I felt like it was relevant to our show, I wanted to get a hold of one for us, an Xbox Series X to be specific, Um, and... uh, I'm a little bit of a tech nerd when it comes to new things. I really want to get my hands on it pretty badly. Uh, I mean, what do you think the general feeling is right now? I mean, for you, for the public, I mean, are we on a, are we kind of sailing in a good way at this point? Because there's been some ups and downs this year when it comes to messaging. Yeah. I mean, I think overall, I mean, it's fairly positive going in, especially compared to the Xbox One launch. It's way different oh yeah i I feel positive about it um to put it in perspective i mean i realize there's not going to be a killer first party game that i'm just waiting on to play actually there's not a game coming out that's new that i'm just like i have to get my hands on i mean necessarily for the the most part you look at previous launches and maybe they've been a little better than this but it's been a what the last two or three generational releases i feel like these games have just been enhanced versions of games that they're putting out on the previous gen anyway. It's really one of those things. I don't get why people are making such a big deal now. Well, and that's kind of my thing. If you look at the number of titles that are going to be available for launch, it's, it's pretty hefty. It's good. Uh, I think my thing is, is with the, I mean, past several generations, I hesitated with the Xbox one because of the messaging, because of the way they handled it. I knew I would eventually get one, but even though it was a higher tech, I didn't feel like it was a big enough jump to. Uh, I, I still guess, don't justify feel like Xbox purchase. One was a big jump compared to the previous generation, right? And we kind of knew that, but I think this time around, it's where really the the technology behind the system is so big. Like I do feel comfortable going ahead yeah. and getting one out of the gate. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm still a little bit more nervous than you are about fail rates. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind that I'm not getting one at launch, but I feel like some of the tech demos and different things we've already seen as far as games that will be launching, I feel like there's a more significant difference than there ha- there was at least the last generation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you see the Watch Dogs Xbox Series X trailer that they no, put I, out? No, I actually haven't yeah, seen Yeah, they got the uh, all the uh, ray tracing going. Okay. Looks great. Cool. Well, yeah. I'm actually I'm more anxious, I think, for Assassin's Creed than Watch Dogs, but I do love the premise of Watch Dogs. Yeah. See, that's, uh, well, we won't get too much into it, but that's one I'm excited about. And the main, and I couldn't figure out why, but I'm someone that likes games with branching paths where, like, you can almost, I mean, you can be stealth, you can go in guns a blazing. Mm-hmm. That's something I've always been a fan of. And also, one thing with that game that makes people nervous is that, with all those characters, you're not going to have as much death. But a lot of times in games, I create my own storylines in my head anyways. Especially and role-playing I, games. That game, and in some ways, because there are so many characters, I feel like I can put make all that story up in my head and enhance it myself. Oh, for sure. And there's going to be characters that you get attached to because of the way that you play them, the way mm-hmm. that you use them. Um, I think when I play it, there is a permadeath option. Yeah. I think I'm going to take that option to make me... I think it will make you care about your characters yeah. more. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what's ahead. And I think that games like that are going to kind of help bolster um, the gaps that I think people are anticipating. Mm-hmm. Because really, I mean, Sony's in the same camp. Um, they've got Miles Morales, and they're hanging their hat on that. And they released very recently the animation for the movie version the into the spider-verse yeah. and who that looks good that probably made my excitement about four times higher than yeah it was for i mean like one. i already wanted to play it and i used the comic suit in the original spider-man uh marvel spider-man for playstation 4 but the way they animate miles and the way that it looks straight up out of the movie is yeah. so good like yeah. if you're if you're buying a, a playstation 5 this holiday or that's your plan to go with the PlayStation 5. I mean, like, I, I think that's going to be a really big treat. I mean, I don't plan on doing that. I think if it was more relevant to our show, I would probably pick up a PS5. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm lucky enough that, you know, the funds are there if I want to. But at the same time, I can't play every game that comes out. So. And for those that aren't it, I mean, it's available on PS4 and probably won't look as great, but it... It's going to look good. The, the other one looked good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It looked great. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really anxious to kind of see those improvements. But I think, I don't know, I, I feel better about this generation for both consoles than I did last generation. Yeah. Uh, I really feel like this generation, power-wise, is going to be a significant jump for both of them. Yeah. And I think, you know, that might not even be because of the power differential between this generation and last generation. I think it's just things they've learned. I think ray tracing... As minor of a thing as it is, if you've ever played like The Witcher and the way they did their lighting in that game, which has been out for you know seven years now, yeah. um, that that getting enhanced and seeing the lighting that they're going to be doing with ray tracing is is really going to be a, a I think a leap forward. I don't yeah. I don't know that people realize how big of a difference it's going yep. to make in the way we play. And games. on a theme related note, you gotta imagine like Fable. The art style, assuming that they keep it in line, 
that's like made for ray tracing. Absolutely. Like like, yes. like where it where it looks right. I mean, even well, I mean, going like the Minecraft demo looks amazing. Yep. Yeah. Well, specifically, you say that. I I think of like the uh, Guild Woods. Or, um, I mean, pretty much any wooded area from yeah. the Fable games. I mean, they were always pretty to begin with. And I really felt like Fable Anniversary nailed it, where um, the light coming through the leaves and things yeah. like that was very pretty. It was very well done. But There are some you, sections in Fable 2 that can look pretty amazing certain exactly. times of the day. So when you start factoring in these new things that are going to be available, it's really going to be it's going to be great, I think. Yeah. I think visually... It's going to be more pleasing this generation mm-hmm. than it was last. Yeah. I think this is where we're really going to see graphical leaps, but also the things that they can do with the worlds are probably going to be um, things that we can't anticipate yet. Yeah, because we haven't seen it, yeah. and obviously the people that make these games are much smarter than we are. So I'm anxious to see how that all turns out. Me too. So I started playing a game last night, um, and I checked it out. I I downloaded it when it first was available, but Spellbreak is a game that is a battle royale game uh, where you are a wizard and you're battling other wizards in your basic battle royale style. Um, The reason that I bring this game up specifically, and part of the reason that it caught my attention was because uh, years ago when it was demoed at E3, Dean Carter had mentioned that it reminded him a lot of Wishworld, or some of the original ideas of Wishworld, in which case you would have been wizards battling it out, changing the landscape of the land. Um, and we've talked about that game in episodes past. But I finally sat down and spent some time with it last night, and I'm not a big Battle Royale ge- like gamer. Like I don't do Fortnite. I love some of the themes they get with Fortnite that I get jealous where the Marvel and Ghostbusters and things like that that they've done, but I've just never that that kind of gaming isn't isn't necessarily my my go-to. Yeah. Um but this was fun. It was quick, it was easy. It made me kind of want to keep playing it, but I'm always short on time, so I didn't get to play as much as I would like. Patrick, you I guess hadn't heard of this? No, no, I'm not real familiar with it. It may have been one because sometimes I see things and then if it's a few years off the radar, I, I, I'll I, admit I forget. Okay. Uh, well, and I get that too. Um, the art style is cell shaded. It's real pretty. The spells are well done. I don't know how deep the gameplay is going to be, but I did want to bring it up because of the, not necessarily connection, but some of the similar themes of wish world because we talk about how that would have been neat to play and how it would have been something to check out so i think between this episode and probably the next time we record uh if not the one after to really get in depth with it uh i'm i'll probably sit down check it out i mean if you take the time to do that maybe we can have a pretty how many players is it do you know i don't know i mean i gotta imagine it's not the 100. No, I don't yeah. think so. No, it seems significantly smaller. And it's still in early access. It's yeah. not a full-fledged game yet. Okay. But it is on Xbox Game Pass. Yeah. So why not? Yep. Cool. So next we want to bring up a... I don't know if you'd call it a legacy product, but it's something that we don't have available anymore. Nope. And we thought it was worth discussing because it directly does tie to Fable the Lost Chapters. Well, Anniversary, I'm sorry. Fable yeah. Anniversary the Lost Chapters. Yeah, and they probably did more with it than anyone else from what I've seen. Yeah, um, we wanted to talk about this Smart Glass app that Xbox had played around with and kind of how we actually think that it might be relevant if they wanted to revisit the idea. Yeah, I think it would be better now. I mean... I guess 
uh, you know, anyone could make a, an app and you could just use the app with the game. But there's, I think Xbox pushing something forward again and having it all in one location is just simpler. And I think it would encourage people to make use of it maybe a little more. Yeah. So uh, to backtrack a little bit, um, for those who don't know, the Xbox Mark Glass app was meant for players to find a way to interact with some of the games without actually having to be in the game Yeah. in some cases. But in other cases, it was to actually kind of guide you through a game while you were playing it. And some of the better ideas that came i think it was the division was it the division that was really trying to sell the idea that you would be able to call down like airstrikes and things like that yeah that didn't that didn't happen though yeah but it was a neat idea yeah it was basically you could use a phone or a tablet and one person could play as a drone and they'd have different abilities they could switch and use at times like uh, pinpointing enemies that maybe were hiding behind something. Yeah. I thought it was a really cool idea. I did too. I think I think the problem was the technology just wasn't there yet. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know the reason they gave for axing it, but yeah, and it didn't make it in the sequel either. Right. Um, and well, and at that point, quite honestly, it seems like I think Xbox had already kind of closed the door on it. I mean, yeah. no one was really using it. But I think now, I mean, with the way smartphones are, the way tablets are, I mean, especially tablets that are almost as powerful as some of the computers that are out on the market, definitely in the Chromebook realm, Yeah, that players could really interact and change a game now. I mean, when you're looking at things like, that was one of the things that I'm going to bring it up and everybody's kind of going to roll their eyes a little bit, but the Wii U had some decent ideas. Oh, yeah. The problem was it didn't have the power to really make use Mm-hmm. of the tablet and how it would affect your game. Well, and I think that's where if they had set it up differently with everybody already having tablets pretty well on par to what the Wii U's tablet was. Exactly, it would have or dro- better. Driven down, better in a lot better. of cases. Yeah. It would have driven down costs and just made it more accessible. Yeah, but I still think the idea of a companion app can be good, um, even if it's beyond just gameplay. I mean, looking at maps and things like that yeah. really feel like they yeah. would be something special yeah and and the anniversary they gave uh character bios that yeah. you could just quickly access and oh. look up straight from the developer and one of the great things if we're going specifically with anniversary that they did that i thought was um i i enjoyed it was that instead of being able to because they they couldn't actually make it work with the engine they were using at the time if you look at the Halo anniversary, you could hit a button and instantly you would be taken back to the Xbox graphics. Yeah. Which was, I mean, just mind-blowingly, I mean, like, seeing 2020, it was weird because mm-hmm. if you do that, you play those games and you're running around on the uh, anniversary edition of the original Halo and you hit that button, it is that, and we've talked about it in shows past where it's like, wait, no, I thought it looked like this when yeah, I played it. Yeah. And you hit that button and you're like, this game is just polygons and barren but (laughs) at the time and that's the great thing about video games was your mind fills in those gaps like Mm -hmm. you still saw the world as this big vibrant place at the time but hitting that button was a wake-up call yeah it was like being slapped in the face or splashed with cold water i love uh i think uh those monkey island games did that where you could go with like pixel the more pixel looks and different things uh and i think it was um Tecmo Bowl, when they re-released their anniversary edition, did the same thing. And stuff like that's really neat, because it gives you that nostalgia thing. 
I mean, chances are you're going to play it with the most current graphics. I mean, it's just aesthetically more pleasing. Mm -hmm. But it is neat to see that switchback. And with Smart Glass on Fable Anniversary, there were parts where you could actually bring up a screenshot and you mm-hmm. could tap the screenshot and see the difference between the two. And that was really neat um, because they weren't able to do that with the game engine because they were doing Anniversary in Unreal Engine. Yeah. And, of course, the original Fable of the Lost Chapters was done with an in-house engine. Mm-hmm. So getting to see the difference, at least on some level, that was kind of a nice thing for people who had the nostalgia for the original. Well, and even... Back then, I mean, that was when we were playing on 360, and now we both have the the Xbox One X. Mm-hmm. And when we went back uh, last week and watched a video of someone playing on anniversary on the 360, we were like, "What? Yeah, yeah." <laughs> well, and we're getting ready to have the ability to play it on the Series X, so yeah. it's going to be even, I mean, smoother at least in theory. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm anxious to see that. But I, I, was, I was surprised, though, the difference between the, Siri, the Series X and the 360. Like, I knew it would be better, but it was just like, oh, well, this does look like a generational leap. Yeah, it's, it's like it kind of clears up that haze that mm-hmm. you don't realize is there when you're playing yeah. it. So, I mean, I think now, and, and you brought this up, Patrick, it was an idea that you had on the way to record the show today that now is the time that would be great to bring that back because of the phone clips that yeah, we have yeah. with our uh, with xCloud and things yeah, of that I mean, nature. A lot of people are making these really easy to use phone clips and people have seemed to have liked them so far and they're 10 bucks, 15 bucks, mm-hmm. somewhere in that range. Well, and I almost wonder if that, uh, is, it, is it the Kishi yeah. controller? I almost wonder if you'd still be able to do that, like not just to connect to the xcloud but like if you were playing a game if you could clip that onto your phone and almost play like a switch attached to a series x or series s i don't know if that functionality would work you mean like a dual screen yeah yeah i think it probably depends on the game because it would still usually have to process both screens but that would be interesting yeah i mean it seems like there's capabilities there that and you know i mean for all we know microsoft might already be kind of testing some of these ideas you jerks we were going to talk about that on the (laughs) ninth but um (laughs) i'd be amazed if anyone at microsoft listened to us uh, yeah i guarantee you nobody at microsoft's listening listening to us but uh it'd be neat if they were with the way that tech has gone up though i mean i think it'd be interesting people People really loved the second screen on the Dreamcast. Like, I mean, you hear about people oh, with the it, little all BMU. The, yeah, yeah, I forgot yeah, about people, that. People loved it, and I mean, with the way that our phones are, just clipping it on. I mean, there's lots of things I feel like. Well, like you could I was do with the second about, screen. I mean, if you look at like Assassin's Creed, for instance, right? Let Let's yeah. just use that as an example. Uh, they had a, a mini game. It was like a companion app uh, for one of the games on the 360 where while you weren't directly affecting the game you were playing, you could take your little units of assassins and send them out on missions on your cell phone. And then any money that they brought back would be translated into the game. So they weren't talking to each other. It's just the fact that it wasn't like in a real time kind of event. The Assassin's Creed Valhalla coming up, you actually have units of soldiers that battle alongside you, and you can send different lieutenants and things to do quests like that. How cool would it be if you could pull up a map and say, okay, you know, you guys go over here, this, you know, this 
uh, flank needs to go over here and actually have some battle strategy. And I'm just using Assassin's Creed as an example. I mean, you could make uh, wonderful uh, war games that you could do that with. I was thinking, uh, as you were saying it, like... Uh, the way that the Godfather 2 operated, mm-hmm. where you had that city map and like you could you, you could have like your recruits in different areas and things like that, being able to play the game and then have that on the side. Yep. Yeah. And you could be doing that in real time, which yeah. would be neat. And if it was something that was developed or something that they could take advantage of, maybe that's a mini game that you take on the road with you. No, I'm not attached to my Xbox. No, I'm not playing xCloud right now, but I am still kind of affecting my game when I'm away from it. I mean, yeah. I mean, that was always fun in Assassin's Creed uh, 4, sending boats out and different things and making money when you were away from the game. Yeah, and I think that's neat. That's kind of something that I, I miss because it's everybody has that game. Like You might not have a bunch of them, but everybody has that game that hooks you, and it's when you're not playing it, you wish you could be playing yeah. it. And that kind of gives you a little bit of a taste to really kind of keep your head in it if it's something that you really love. But we have gotten way off the rails here. I feel like uh, this was already a much longer discussion than we thought it'd be, but we talked about this maybe as an episode, but then we're like, no. There's I think no we way. can make a full yeah. episode out of this now. Yeah, yeah. so we can save the, the expounding conversation for another show. But let's get back to... I guess how it affected Fable, yeah, the Fable anniversary. Um, I mean, obviously, first of all, the the map being available was nice because you could turn that off on your screen and it would be available to the side. Yep. Um, there was also the if you bought the Prima strategy guide, mm-hmm. uh, you could guide your way through the game that way. I mean, keys, demon door locations. Yeah, I get you can look all that stuff up online but but it was just kind of nice to have yeah. it was almost like a special edition for your phone like a, a digital copy mm-hmm. um, which is something that I'm surprised that they didn't try to do more of and I could be wrong maybe they did towards the end because Prima is not you know not really around anymore um, but something that would give you this special edition of a strategy guide but also a digital edition because I think most people at this point would rather pull up a digital version than yeah. drag out the giant volume strategy guide oh yeah 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 Yeah, i mean yeah paperback and stuff is definitely dying off yeah but i still i still like having those things like these things that look like old tombs art books for all the games yeah exactly but you know smart glass i think was something that lionhead at least understood when they were developing fatal anniversary i haven't been able to find another game that got anywhere close to doing what they did with Smart Glass. And I mean, at this point, that's like seven, eight years ago. Oh, yeah, at least. I mean, I I get that it's been dead for years now, but I mean, you think about if they were to bring it back, what nearly 10 years of technology could do. Well, and uh, it's, yeah, it's just a matter of, if they wanted to invest the time to do it. I mean, there are games, and we talked about this a little bit, like um, Red Dead Redemption 2 that did come with its own companion app, and you could pull up the map, and you could look at your resources, and you could go flip back through the main character's journal and stuff like that. So it can be done. It's just not having it centralized all under one app. Yep. Yep. But yeah, we'll do another episode. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, we... I, I could have went we a lot We derailed. Longer. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> we like games. So after derailing for so much of that conversation, we're going to try to bring it back to, you know, all things Fable. 
This week we're going to talk about uh, Nostro a little bit and the mission that you really kind of interact with him the most, even though he's not really there. Yeah. Is that fair? Our hero is given a mission to go to Bargate Prison. We find out that, you know, your mom's been captured and that's where she's hanging out, being yeah, tortured she's and whatnot. not dead. Yeah. I mean, she's in jail, but at least she's not dead. I guess, yeah. Um, so we're sent there and... The road to Bargate is actually being blocked by Jack's minions. We know at this point that he's not a very nice guy, and no. uh, he's got mom, and we want to go get her. But with that being blocked, we are sent on an alternative route to the uh, Lynchfield graveyard. Yep. Which, as soon as we get there, we find out that things are a little bit awry. Um, there's a demon door that's blocking the path to sneak in, and I think one of the things that I like about that demon door is it's game functional as yeah. opposed to like a bonus yeah it's very uh, different than especially anything from two and three yeah and i love the demon doors i mean from the first game all the way through the third i mean there's it's just those are one of the best aspects of the game it's yeah. one of the things that makes fable uniquely uh, fable. i've always said i feel like it's the least controversial thing like everybody loves them i would think so or at least to some extent um but this one you have to solve it is not optional if you want to get to the prison you're gonna have to go through this so you find out that you need the gatekeeper to let you through this demon door. And we don't know who the gatekeeper is at this point, but it's a pretty deep, heavy, lore-based character. Yep. We find out that, well, basically through eavesdropping, that the person in charge of the graveyard, who's a little bit corrupt and kind of gross, has been looting uh, different graves throughout yeah. the graveyard. Yeah, he's having a conversation with this one guy, and I... I it's kind of funny because you hear the whole thing and then as that guy is, or they're like, oh, shh, I think someone's coming. And then as they leave, he's like, the guy says something along the lines of like, uh, oh, I was just finding a place to sleep for the night and like just carries on. And yeah. It's like, it's like, we know that you were looting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's a gross character. He's actually probably one of the most despicable people in the game. Yes. Uh, which is what makes him fun. Um, but essentially, you get him to let you into the graveyard, and he, I would almost call this like an escort quest in a lot of ways. A little bit. It, at first, you're fighting your way through. The undead are popping up left yep. and right. And uh, I guess let's talk about the area a little bit. Um, this is a great place to get a lot of XP. Yeah, yeah, because the undead just spawn like yeah, crazy. Yeah, like crazy. And if you're remotely powerful at this point, which you're hitting kind of towards the back end of the game, this mm. kind of I'd say this is the road that yeah. leads you to the back end of the game, or at least the main game before the Lost Chapters. And uh, you're powerful enough that, I mean, these things go down quick. Yeah, right? one, two hits. Yeah, so you can rack up a lot of XP doing this. Um, but as you are escorting him through the back, he's kind of trying to divert your attention he doesn't really want you to know what he's been up to the whole time even though i mean he's got a nice shiny helmet right behind him exactly uh do you keep him alive patrick or do you let him die i've let him i think the first time i mean i remember i have let him live before just i think he just didn't die okay but this uh normally i i let him die i'll i'll hit him a few times too oh really just, just because it's it's funny he's like hey i'm trying to help you it's like yeah but you still suck yeah yeah he's not a cool guy um i tend to if i can keep him alive i keep him alive but i don't go out of my way to do it he's one either. of those characters where if he dies you don't 
you don't go, oh, no, no, I need to start this mission over again. Yeah, it I doesn't mean, there, really there's some the game. where they die, and you're like, I just don't want that person dead, so you go back. I mean, this isn't just Fable. This is a lot of games. I do this all the time. Yeah. Him, it's like, if he dies, he dies. This character, for whatever reason, I don't know if, if you know who I'm talking about, but I feel like if Fable was a movie, it would be played by David Bradley, who is known for playing the groundskeeper Filch in the Harry Potter series. Uh, I, I don't know. I just think that he imbues what this character would be. Yeah, I, I see it immediately. Yeah, yeah, I really like that idea. So, long story short, the, the mission really just kind of consists of going around and finding pieces of armor that have been scattered around the graveyard yeah. because, you know, the gravekeeper had basically been hiding yeah. loot. Um but the deep tie into this is we find out that the gatekeeper that the demon door is referring to is none other than Nostro. Now, if you're not keeping track, we have talked about Nostro before. It was in one of our very first episodes. Maybe it was the, the first, first episode. episode. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Nostro is a character that when the game came out, he did not have the full lore that he has now. We learned a lot through the backstory of the Tales of Albion, but we just know that he was a mighty warrior and basically what he wants you to do is retrieve all of his armor and if you will do this it will kind of allow him to rest more yeah and uh he'll open the the door for you but nostro as we know was responsible for a lot of the things that this version of albion this timeline uh is known for so nostro was essentially recruited by scythe scythe who was william black who was the archon and, and that is confirmed. Don't be like, we don't know that. No, that's no, confirmed. We know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he was recruited by him to bring Albion back to like a time of peace and prosperity. And this was done by establishing certain things that we know, especially in the Lost Chapters, as the Heroes Guild was founded by Nostro. Um, it essentially set forth almost like a, the Jedi, almost like a police task force to kind of keep order in the land, which had been missing. Uh, He established the arena, which at the time was meant to be more of a way for heroes to dispute um, and kind of come to terms with disagreements and things. Uh, There was a lot that happened during his reign over the area that really helped prosper and, and, and bolster what Albion had fallen into, which was basically just a wasteland. Um, During his time though, he was corrupted by a woman named Magdalena who in time kind of undid quite a bit of the things he had done to make the world better. Uh, She was influential in deciding that the guild could just choose whether they wanted to do good deeds or bad deeds. They basically became mercenaries. Yeah. A little more similar to what we saw in the game. Right. And she allowed different uh, spectacles like the arena to become, instead of a place to uh, resolve disputes, it became a place of entertainment, which is what we... Yeah, 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 which is where where we wind up. So I guess maybe she's a little more influential in how the world is shaped by the time we get there. I'd say so. Yeah, but Nostro, uh, he ended up kind of losing focus on the things that were important to him and the things that Scythe had tried to teach him. And he wound up getting poisoned uh, and spent his last kind of days looking back on, on things with regret. And uh, Scythe was beside him as he passed away. But he's been laid to rest in this graveyard and his soul just has not not been able to find true peace. Yep. 
So he sent you out to find this armor. You essentially, the, the mission itself is pretty straightforward. Yeah. The, the area is really cool, though, if you take the time to search through everything. There's little things that you can dig up, and uh, obviously you're going to find his pieces of armor along the way. But one of the best aspects of the area are the headstones. Yeah. Do you have anything that really sticks out to you? I laughed that there was a bunch of uh, music references. Yeah, and there was pop culture stuff, too. Like Jack Sparrow, or Jay Sparrow, I think, was the headstone. Um, There were headstones for a couple members, I think, of like the dev team or some Mm -hmm. of the play testers and things like that. Uh, I can remember the community kind of rallying around Fable 2, trying to, I think, urge the idea of some of the community members yeah. getting headstones yeah, in same later thing games. happened in 3, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that would have been really cool, um, but again, it's one of those things that would have been specific to the community. Nobody yeah, I think it would have been a bit more, well, not so much like difficult to put in, but it would have been like, oh no, if there's this one person that posts a lot and they don't get included, ooh... Yeah, well, and that's true, too. And I could see where, again, it's the community wasn't necessarily tied to the zeitgeist of the people making the game because it's obviously there's that disconnection of fans to developers yeah. and things like that. Uh, but it was a neat idea. Yeah. It was fun to play around with at the time. And I think notably Russ Shaw, the obvious the, the composer yeah. of the music for the game, you can find his headstone there, which is one of my favorites because if you know who he is, man, he makes great music. Yeah. So in this mission to please Nostro, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. you have to find four of his items. Uh, one, one interesting thing is I remember that I had a very hard time finding all four, and it was the helmet that's sitting right behind him, oh, or the, right behind the, uh, the gravekeeper yeah. in the first one. Because like I'm, da- I'm looking all through the graveyard. Oh, that's funny. I'm searching. I'm you know fishing every spot twice. It felt like. I'm looking through everything, and it was just in the house. That's hilarious. It's um, just in the house. I'm I'm a notorious scavenger when yeah. it comes to games, especially when I played through for the first time. So that never even occurred to me as not being a thing because it was the first thing I picked up. Yeah, but I I guess in my head because I do remember seeing it, and then I did everything else and got distracted. Um, I guess I thought he'd be mad. Like, I didn't know if I was going to mess something up if I took it right okay. in front of him. Because, yeah. I mean, you're basically... I mean, granted, he stole it. Right. But you're stealing, too. And, in a, in, in a, well, you're not really. But before you really know what you have to do, taking it at that time is kind it, of yes. stealing. Yeah, yes. and uh, that's actually... It's a really good point. Because given the time frame that the game came out, I mean, I could easily see if you weren't supposed to take it yet like a cut scene or something playing where he kicks you out of his cabin yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah. So, and since you know, I was playing through as good, I'm like, yeah, I didn't take it. And then I guess I just didn't think about it and it probably wasted hours of my life. Oh, that's funny. No, that's, that's good. Yep. Uh, so obviously there's the helmet that you have to get. You have to, uh, get his armor, which mm-hmm. is, which is in a separate crypt. Um, no trouble really fighting that one. Nope. Uh, his shield is located in a stream, which uh, I think it'll be interesting to see if we see shields in Fable 4, but that's for a different discussion. Well, I think there's only two characters that use shields, in at least in Lost Chapters, and that's uh, Thunder and, I mean, technically Nostro, yep. right? Yep. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
there were a couple that used it in Fable Legends, mm-hmm. but other than that, you don't really see shields in the Fable universe much. I guess though, by two, they were they were obsolete. Yeah. By that point, all armor really was, and then you find a sword uh, and a random grave, which I wish we could have kept that. I would have liked to have used it. Oh yeah, I'm surprised that it's not something that you could obtain, but I guess then again, if the idea was putting him to rest, yeah. you wouldn't keep it, would you? Yeah, I mean, they would have had to have done it in a different way that you could open up that door. I will say that I'm kind of surprised they didn't do this as like a DLC armor. Uh, for anniversary, you know, they released DLC packs, yeah. and they came with like Maze's outfit, you could get Weavers or the Guildmasters, Thunder Whisper. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it would have been kind of neat to actually see this fully fleshed out armor. Yeah, uh, maybe it's just because of the way that the storyline played out that, you know, that's how you laid his soul to rest and yeah, it'd be kind of messed up. But I guess it could have been like the non or like the they non-official could, version. Or Nostro's backup armor or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, you give Nostro all of his stuff after you find him. You go back to the demon door. He, you know, is like, well, I guess you helped him out. And then I think it's a funny line that he says that he doesn't want you to get your fingerprints all over him. The demon door says that, not Nostro, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, the demon door. Which I find funny because he's a demon door in, like, a really ugly, nasty graveyard. And then inside, he's just sprawling with undead. There's really nothing pleasant like he he's not a fancy demon door to be but he's concerned about you know your grossness yes i kind of understand that on a weird level unless maybe he just likes dead and he's like ew living yeah disgusting especially if he's only been around the gravekeeper you i I, I could see where he's like if that's the only human he's been around be like they're disgusting yeah yeah, I love that you came up with this backstory for the demon door. <laughs> but when you go in there, I mean, there's not really much to that area other than you fight bunch a bunch of undead. It's and there's a cool a, fight, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying as far as, like, things to talk about. Oh, sure. There, there's not a lot. Not that it's not enjoyable. Uh, there's one kind of bigger boss, but if you're leveled up, he's pretty easy to get through i would say i I think just graphically i liked the way that the because it's essentially you've got what two rings worth of enemies that i'm not talking about you're not there yet yet. no i don't i'm talking about the the path oh okay the pathway in where there's just things spawning like crazy because you kind of have a the old graveyard path that you get through first right yeah okay and you got to fight like one boss guy and then the door opens up and then we get to the part where you were about to argue with me about, okay okay i'm sorry which i enjoy quite a bit actually <laughs> i'll backtrack i'll let you talk okay well uh, i mean i think i pretty well said everything that i needed to about the old graveyard path yeah pretty much now now we're gonna get on the same page <laughs> but um, I don't remember the name of that area or if it has a specific name off the top of my head. I don't recall. But I, I like this one because at first you're like, why can't I kill these things? And then you realize they're a little bit ghostly. They got to be mm-hmm. in the circle. Right. It's like you a can, circle of light. Almost. Yeah. I want to say, is it like eight to 10? Probably around 10. Uh, 10 of them. Sure. Yeah. yeah. 10 of them you got to kill. And then you get three stronger ones. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, graphically, I like this area a lot, though, because you have, like, these green glowing skulls that Mm -hmm. pop up every time you take out an enemy. Yeah, and then you get the red one for the final three. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's very cool, um, kind of almost arena-like area. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like it was an arena at some point. Kind of one of the more clever mechanisms of the game as far as a boss fight goes. Yeah, and I I liked that basically in Fable 3 in a way they kind of bring it back at least in the dlc from what i can remember as far as the how you kill the enemies we'll talk about that more later but i do like that they brought that back with a little twist yep yeah yeah and then from there essentially uh a new gate opens and that's when you you're off to bargate yep and your reward for completing this mission you receive an undead hand yay yay what do you can do? I don't even want to know what you would do. I think it's just, it's just a trophy. Sure. Yeah. Like, something to put in house to make it more valuable. Yeah, I mean, people of Albion are weird if you show that off and they're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, zombies are a pop culture phenomenon. Maybe sure. not as much as they were eight years ago, but oh. still, pretty big deal. <laughs> um, so, yeah, from there you go to Bargate, and we're going to save that conversation probably for the next show. I'm excited about that yeah, one. Yeah, that's, that's definitely... I always say this. I feel like I say this about every area that you go to. Oh, well, this is one of my favorite areas in the huh. game. Well, um, this area has one of my favorite characters in the game. Yeah, and I'll I think that. that's, that's kind of where I'm leaning that way. But we'll talk about that next time. Patrick, you ready to shut it down? Yep, let's end it. Before we go, we'd like to give thanks to those who helped contribute to the show. Zero XP logo was provided by Jameson Johns. You can find him at behance.net forward slash Jameson Johns. Music provided by Odd Reference. You can find him at facebook.com forward slash odd.reference. Be sure to like, subscribe, rate, or review on your podcast service of choice. If we're not on one of the ones that you listen to, let us know. If you have any comments, questions, or constructive criticisms, you can find us at zero XP podcast at gmail.com. Or contact us at Zero XP Webcast on Twitter. If you're on the YouTube, be sure to like, subscribe, and comment. I respond to all of them. And before we go, we like to give thanks to those who have helped inspire us to do this show. Thank you, Dean. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, Damien. Thank you, Mike. And thank you, Xbox Pope. Until next time, just stay safe out there. Bye-bye. The living bye, bye, is bye. disgusting. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>